0: And welcome to episode one hundred and seventy-seven of No Crying in Baseball. We're recording with one eye open. Episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. How are you? <laughs> Hi there.
1: That that's terrible. <laughs>
0: that's just just awful. But just think, if, if we if we can if we can do this with one eye open, just think how good we would be with both eyes open.
1: You know, I'm going to do it with no eyes open. I'm just going to get a fucking b- blindfold and see how I do without my notes. That'll be a winning show. As oh, long Lord. as I have my beer. Just I can find my beer. I'll be okay.
0: That's where the beer beer hat comes in handy.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what I do.
0: Okay, I'll set right? that up for next time Right when I get the I'm blindfold. all about the accessibility tools.
1: <laughs> that's good. So good. All right, I want to do a little happy shout-out to, to start things off. I want to give some best wishes to Jackie Bradley Jr., who I believe was your – wasn't he My your former boyfriend yep. for the Red Sox a couple of years ago? Yep. And he just signed finally, fucking finally, this week with the Brewers. And so the Brewers have a kind of nice-looking outfield at this point, as the Red Sox once did and no longer. And that's the little, like, heart-wrenching part of this because Mookie's gone – Benintendi's gone. Even Brock Holt, who was like the sometimes outfielder in those days is gone. And now JBJ. And so I was looking at one of those like video compilations of all the little dances that they did in the outfield and feeling very teary. And a lot of Red Sox fans are really just bummed, just bummed because that was such a lovable outfield. And all I can say is I am so glad that we have Kike Hernandez. But but JBJ, so he's he's gone for a two-year, $24 million deal. He was looking for something longer, and I think he'll get it if he starts putting up some numbers. But I was listening to the Red Sox broadcast radio, audio, and Joe Castiglione, who's been the Red Sox radio broadcaster since 83, I think, and he's up there. I mean, he's even before 83, of course, he was doing baseball. And he literally said that JBJ was the best outfielder he had ever seen, ever. The man was magic in the outfield and so fucking underrated.
0: I am so excited that he got a two-year gig because so many free agents are getting these one-year signings, right? just one year. So that's actually, I mean, it may not be what he wanted, but it's better than a lot of guys are getting. So Best of luck to you, JBJ. You are an excellent boyfriend, an excellent boyfriend. (laughs) On today's show, we've got the COVID report featuring some boyfriends who, um, some former boyfriends who are a little less excellent than JBJ, (laughs) gotta say. Uh, We've got Lou Gehrig Day starting this June. This week's Police Blotter features Sam Dyson and yet, A little bit more of Mickey Calloway, because that's going to be around for a while. We've got brand new boyfriends for the A's and the Padres. We've got happy news about women in baseball. And as always, we've got our international baseball report. So let's start with COVID. It's actually good numbers. It's good numbers. Sweet. Um, Yeah. So we know we're almost done with intake testing, right? Because almost everybody has reported. Um, So only 81 intake tests, no positives. Thirteen thousand seven hundred eighteen monitoring tests. Those are the ones that are done every two days. Only five positives out of all of those. They're all players. So now we're up to sixteen clubs that have had at least one person test positive. But the, but out of thirteen thousand seven hundred eighteen tests, wow, you know, that's good. The numbers are really really good. So what that means is fans is a fans are coming back to the stands. Not all of them. It goes on a state-by-state or um, colony basis. In in, In the case of D.C. In the case of D.C., where they've said not yet. We're not going to approve this yet. We we will continue to revisit this. They haven't said we're shutting you down for the season because it's not good for the city either. If Mm -hmm. if they do feel like it's safe for fans to come back, it's good for everybody if it's safe to come back. Whereas California has said yes to all of their baseball teams, including the ones we're talking about today, at at a 20% capacity level. So baby steps we're getting there. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get to some ball games this summer. I'm very excited about that. Ooh. The minor league games are got pushed back a little bit. Minor league AAA isn't starting until May. They were going to start April 6th, but now they've moved back they said at least May 1st. It could be later for a couple of reasons. They would like more time for vaccines to become available. And also these guys when they fly, they go on commercial flights. It's not like, you know, the the major league teams on their, their charter jets and all of that, where they have a little bit more control over the surroundings. So they really want to, they want to slow down the travel. They want to make the travel safer and they want to wait for vaccines to kick in. They are not cutting the season short though. They're talking about pushing it into September. Now it used to end at the end of August. And then those guys get call-ups to the, to the majors for September. Right. We're talking about going into September in order to give these guys a full season if they can.
1: Oh, wow. That's exciting. And I know guys are coming in from out of the country as well, because my adopted, my godson from adopted minor league player is still training in the DR and waiting to hear what level he's going to be in the Rangers organization. Hoping the best for him. Indeed. But travel is definitely an issue. I know that today, like right before we started recording, that some players have been Removed for a short while because of bad behavior, including one of the guys that I picked for my boyfriend this year, Fran Mel Reyes. But unfortunately, well, I don't know. I guess I would have had to break up with him now because this is just shitty. I mean, they're saying, of course, they, they came forward and fessed up. And I don't know what the fucking excuse is. He went to get a haircut and then went out to dinner with Jose Ramirez. And Pedro Strop, so we have three teams there, right? We have the Red Sox, we have the Cleveland team, and we have the Cubs. And damn it, guys, that's putting a lot of people at risk. So I don't know. I haven't, you know, this just came out right before recording, so I'm not quite sure what the ramifications are going to be, but or what the excuses. But I, you know, you, we've been doing this for a year. <laughs> people have got to know that you don't do shit like that.
0: And it was really clear in the protocols for this year. Here are the consequences if if you break these rules. So it's not like people weren't informed. I mean, if we knew what was going to happen, you got to believe the players knew. You would hope. You would hope. And
1: of course, we have all the examples of shit that happened last year that should be influencing them a little bit. And I just wanted to mention Eduardo Rodriguez for a moment, from the, also from the Red Sox. This is like my little Red Sox corner. So happy to get back to this. So Eduardo Rodriguez, we know, had covid and then had myocarditis, which is a, a heart issue related to COVID and was not only out for last season, but couldn't move, like couldn't walk for a long time. And somehow, miraculously, he had a normal offseason, which I think is just just wild, like something just sort of clicked. He just kind of had a normal offseason. And so he had his first start pitched two and a third innings this past Friday, gave up two hits and a run, no walks, 46 pitches. So not bad for being out with a heart ailment. And he was the top pitcher before this all happened. So he actually was slated to be the opening day pitcher for 2020. And couldn't do it. One thing that I think was sweet for this is, especially as, as I'm talking about like Red Sox fan heartbreak from losing people, is the relationship aspect that he, in an interview is talking about how Vasquez the catcher was so instrumental in sort of building him back up and giving him that confidence because he was nervous as fuck, you know, going into his first outing after this. And he told Vasquez that I I feel like this is my MLB debut, you know, all over again. And Vasquez sort of said, you know, we feel like that every time, just this time, it's a little bit special, you know, just sort of telling them like that, that's the way it is, dude. And, and I'm here for you. And Cora, when sort of asked, you know, Are you concerned about his performance, whatever, he just said he was happy to have him out there on the mound. So that kind of relationship, you know, as a fan, that's what you want to see. And I know there's issues about Cora and the Red Sox and everything, but I'm trying to hang on to something. And, Erod said that you know when the season starts, he feels like he's going to be a hundred percent ready when AC gives him the ball. All so, right, and then it goes out to Eduardo Rodriguez.
0: Very nice. I like I like the positive news. I've got some more positive news for you. MLB has approved and has designated June second Lou Gehrig Day. Woohoo! That's Thanks. awesome. It is awesome. Actually, he's the third player to have a day named after him, after Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente. Wow. They selected June 2nd because that was the day that Lou Gehrig began his 2130 game streak that was broken oh my God. only by Cal Ripken Jr. And yeah. it was also in 1941, the day that he died of ALS. So oh, it's wow. a really important date. And so it's going to be a special day to bring attention to ALS and to honor one of baseball's greats. Can you imagine had he remained healthy? I mean, he was right. spectacular as it was.
1: Yeah, and I know that this disease is close to a couple of players. I know for sure Stephen Biscotti because I I had picked him as my A's boyfriend last year, and he lost his mother to ALS. And I know there was another player who is mentioned in this who's going to be you know active in promoting this day. So it's you know it's definitely touched people who are active today. Indeed.
0: Hey, I kind of feel like we should have thrown um, part of that uh, that COVID report under police blotter. Hmm. I didn't think of it. <laughs> So under on this week's police blotter, we have more Mickey Calloway, who, you know, as we know, was suspended because women journalists in particular started reporting inappropriate communication uh, started by Mickey Calloway. Now the conversation is what did they know and when did they know it about the teams with whom he was associated? And it sounds like the Cleveland team was way aware of all of this stuff, even though they continued to deny it. That's starting to blow up quite a bit. They have a a lot of employees of the Cleveland baseball team have been talking to the athletics saying, Oh yeah, we all knew about it. We all knew about it. Yet the leadership saying we can, some some are saying we can't talk about it because there's an ongoing investigation, which is different than others saying, Oh no, we didn't know anything. And the Blue Jays GM who worked on the Cleveland team when Callaway was there said he was not aware of anything at that time. So really it's kind of fascinating that was it wasn't that compartmentalized that swaths of people were not aware of it or is it a great big cover up? I just don't know.
1: Well, you know, talk about manager heartbreak, you know, the managers who I've loved, Alex Cora and then that heartbreak and now Tito Francona. Yeah, Tito like, Francona. Yeah. It's looking like he really did know. And his son, Nick, has sort of called him out on social media as well. So, you know, fuck that. Another just endearing
0: person. But I don't yeah. know. It's, yep. That's yep. heart wrenching. Our hearts will not be wrenched about Sam Dyson because he just sounds bad. Um, he, <laughs> Sam Dyson <laughs> okay. is, a, is a pitcher who remains a, as a free agent who has been suspended for this entire season for violating the, the league's domestic abuse policy. And we talked oh, about him God. before when he first went under investigation, his girlfriend sort of um, broke accusations via social media during the last season. And MLB c- has concluded their investigation, has said, yeah, you're out. We found sufficient evidence that you're out for at least this year. He that makes um, Sam Dyson the 13th player that has been suspended under the domestic abuse policy since it took effect in 2015. So they're taking it seriously.
1: That's encouraging. That's encouraging. I just you know wish there were a little bit of follow up, like what has happened to the people since then. We're going to talk about good guys now, though. We have baseball boyfriends that we talk about every week. We're coming to the end. What Patty and I do in the off season, for those of you who might be turning in for the first, tuning in for the first time, is pick a guy per team because they're cool. There's something about them that makes us want to just hang out, have a beer, shoot the shit with them. And we have been working our way from the worst record up to the top. We have two more weeks, this week and next week. And this week... We are looking at the A's in the American League and the Padres in the National League. So we're going to California, which I'm pretty excited about. What we do also with these guys at the end of this pick process is create our fantasy league teams. And I need a shortstop but in neither of these teams could I get a shortstop because both of them we had picked before. Tatis Jr. was my premature pick a couple of years ago. And then Elvis Andrews has been added to the A's this year because they were in need of a shortstop. So damn it. So I decided to go for some swagger. I've gone for a couple of bat flippers, but this brings up sort of an interesting issue because it's uh, so I'm going to about to talk about Mark Kana from the Athletics, and I haven't heard about these guys as bat flippers. My guy for the Padres, just as a preview, is Trent Grisham. And so why is that? Is that because they're white guy bat flippers and they don't get quite as much social media, I don't know, pressure as, you know, Jose Bautista and Fernando Tatis Jr. You hear a lot about and even, you know, my favorite Manny Machado. But it seems. Oh, yeah, there you go. So I don't know. It's, it's what's attract me, attracted me to these guys, but I think we need to question a little bit about the, the glasses that we watch these bat flips through So Mark Khanna actually has a t-shirt that I really think I, I really came close to getting yesterday, but I need to get that says something like bat flipping season. Yeah, bat flipping season. And I went to our friends at True Strike Noise for some some advice on the A's because that's the thing to do. I, and I, I got did
0: that. Oh, I was really close to doing that.
1: I got a very quick reply saying, well, you turned down Mark Kenna last year. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to keep going for him. So s- super appreciation. He, They did. So this is the recommendation that I got. And they said local guy went to Stanford, took classes on racial reform during the lockdown last season. Big foodie. Yeah,
0: big and foodie. I almost there we go. thought
1: like, oh, shit, went to Stanford. I'm going to have to give this guy to Patty. But I've been doing that a lot lately. So I was I like, did, all right, right don't I'm,
0: worry. I did all right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I figured, all right, I'm going to just look into him. And it turns out he went to UC Berkeley. So, so hey there, two-strike noise, which I think is a little bit crunchier. It's a little bit more my speed. He did grow up in the Bay Area. He was a, he grew up as a Giants fan, San Francisco, which is kind of rough as an A's person. But interestingly, in the few matchups that they've had with the Giants, he has totally – and there's even an article that says he has owned Oriole Park. His average is way up compared to his regular average, and he actually averages at least one RBI per game. In the 12 games that he has played there. So, hometown boy does well in the hometown rivalry. And that big foodie, like you got to check out his Instagram. Uh, what I love about his foodie stuff, well, a couple of things I love about it. One is that he talks about local restaurants. So when he goes around traveling on baseball and goes to like a r- local nice place, he puts that out on his Instagram. And the other thing is he's definitely not vegetarian like me, but vegetables do center in a lot of the stuff. There's definitely the burger there, but it's not overwhelmingly meat. It seems like he has a very good variety of healthy food that he consumes. So I'm always good with that. He definitely had me at the bat flip. Mm-hmm. He was rated the number one bat flip of 2019, according to the MLB Network. And his t-shirt, yeah, does say, it's bat flip season baby. And our friends at Two Strike Noise actually said that he started selling it for charity, but I couldn't dig up anything on that. I'm not sure if that's still going on. I would definitely get it from his website. And he also has a Big League Foodie
0: t-shirt. Oh, I want that one. I want Big League Foodie. You want
1: Big League Foodie? They're, they're cool. are cool. And and what I love about it also is you know we've been talking about the like overwhelming amount of red shirts out there in baseball these oh, days everybody is yeah. wearing their fucking red shirt like it's a Star Wars like tragedy not Star Wars the other oh, one Star Trek I'm so close that wrong. I was so close don't I was that so wrong. close. Star Trek tragedy I well, but I was like I'm like almost earning the geek points
0: Anyway good. those are, like grounds for divorce not only in your marriage oh, but okay. also on this podcast so you oh, know shit <laughs> <laughs> I was so close so close Oh,
1: side. <laughs> anyway, they're they're lovely green shirts, which I think is you know it's it's a nice thing to have. So he started off with the Marlins in 2010, spent a while in the minors, and then went to Colorado on the rule five rule five draft in 2014, but was flipped to the A's right away. He had a really good showing in 2015. He led the rookies in RBIs, but then was waylaid, as we've seen so many times, by injuries. He had hip surgery in 2016, missed most of that season, a little bit of rough time coming back in 17, optioned down to the minors, and then had wrist surgery. But pulling back up. So I love that. I like the tenacity and working your way back up, improvement in 18, and then 2019 was really his boom year with a 273 batting average he played all over the outfield plus first base and dh so he's looking good for this year he's vying for the leadoff with Loriano, who i came so close to picking just yeah. to talk about that yeah. brawl but then i was like i should not condone violence um <laughs> right fangraph says he might be number two so i i guess we'll see in in 2020 though it was kind of interesting for him and i saw this interview that was that was great because he talked about how the effect of not being able to watch video kind of messed him up, and and we've talked about this before. How two thousand and twenty was just a fucked up year. Everybody used getting used to the shortened season, and for the first time because of issues, they couldn't use video during the game. And he had just kind of he, he's kind of nerdy, he's kind of geeky, and he liked analyzing. He'd. he'd Do as at bat and then check it out. And not being able to do that sort of threw him off. So he talked a lot about how he's trying to feel it from the inside rather than looking at it from the outside, which I thought was pretty cool, and that he's he's not looking at video at all now. You know, he's just trying to tune into himself. He I, I also appreciated that he takes the quarantining very seriously and he took it very seriously in 2020 and also looked on the bright side. He got to see his second child be born, which he might have missed otherwise and actually got to be with her for the first couple of months and then sort of suffered the other end of having to be away from his family when he, they started playing in 2020, you know, a lot of players either chose, all right, I'm sitting this season out, but most of them had to make sacrifices and that's what he did to not be with his family. So I'm feeling hopeful about Mark Khan. I think he's a great guy. I love his bat flips
0: and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sold. I'm sold. Excellent. I like it. I like it. Um, Yeah, I did okay choosing on my own this time. Um, So my guys have a couple of things in common. They're both utility players, which is very useful at this stage when you don't have a backup Ah. third baseman and you can't pick Matt Chapman two years in a row, for instance. (laughs) But utility guys. And so I've got two utility guys. And there's also a through line of puns and nicknames. Hmm. So I appreciate that very much. We're going to start with my A's boyfriend, who's going to be Chad Pinter, 28-year-old utility player. He's almost local. He was born and grew up in, in Richmond, Virginia, where his high school team went to the state champ, won the state championship twice, 09 and in 2010. He then went to Virginia Tech where he was on the all academic team, of course, because I can still find Brainiacs. I can nice. still find okay. him. If you don't pick him out for me, I can still find him. Sweet. But one of the cool things he did while on the baseball team at Virginia Tech, they had a program called 19 Ways which was led by the players where all the players on the baseball team were encouraged to find 19 things to do over the course of the year that helped the community. Wow! Yeah. That's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. They don't have to do them individually. They can do them as a team. They can do them as an individual. They can do them as a group. And some of his work was with special needs kids. He worked with the special Olympics teams, the, the volleyball and the bowling team. So that got him started working with special needs kids. Hold, put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that in a little while. Wow. So he was drafted in 2013 and he came up with the Mats, the Olsen and the Chapman, my, <laughs> my, my, my boyfriends, my former boyfriends. And that's a problem for him because those guys are stars. Those guys had right. positions picked out for them and there's no way Chappie wasn't going to be third base. Um, Olsen competed for first, but then he got it. So they have these dedicated roles. So once you are dug in like that, you can be a star, right? If you're the utility guy and you can play anywhere you're not going to start every day. You're going to play wherever they need you to play. You may do great there, but that's going to kind of suppress your your notoriety, your stardom, how well-known you are, and your future, for sure. He is the first player in ace history to start at seven positions, everything but pitcher and catcher in the ace. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And so he was a little bit frustrated by this because he he had a hard time with the, I don't know if I'm going to play today. Mm-hmm. So how do you get ready for your day? So he actually worked with the A's psychiatrist. They, you know, all these teams have therapists and whatnot on staff to help the guys, all, all the mental, because, you know, uh, what did Yogi Berra say? How much, like what, what percentage of the game? Like 90% of the game is 100% mental or something like that. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> whatever that was, whatever that was. And so what he learned from these conversations is control what you can control. Remember what your job is. Your job is to be ready to play every day, no matter what happens. So he gets ready to play every day and he gets better at anticipating if he's going to play based on who's coming up, what's their situation with their team, where are their holes, are the holes that he can fill? So he feels better about that. So he debuted in, in 2016 in August and in 2018 he was the A's winner of the annual Dave Stewart Service Award and that is the Community involvement, the charity involvement, the philanthropic community service award for the team, part of the boyfriend awards, um, class of awards, right? So what he wanted for was his involvement with a local school called the School of the Imagination. He got this gig because Stephen Vogt, former catcher for the A's, when he left the team, called him up and said, hey, I've been volunteering here. I'm now going to live somewhere else. And he went, ended up going to the brewer's and I think you you dig this gig. I want you to go to the school and check them out. That's so sweet. That's cool. So this school does early childhood education programs where they work with special needs kids in any way these kids need the help. And then they are in school side by side with kids who don't need that kind of help. But the, the focus is on how do you what are some innovative ways, especially at this early intervention stage, to get these special needs kids where they need to be. So he shows up, at least he was then, I'm, you know, with COVID, who knows what's happening now, but he was showing up at least once a month at the school, in the classroom, story time, playing dress up with the kids, playing on the playground, playing wiffle ball, teaching kids to bat off a tee.
1: So, so like, you know,
0: that hands-on thing that we were talking about that's so important, the showing up thing, but also on the other end, not only was he like bringing people from the school, whether it was students or families, whatever, two games, you know, with, with tickets and all that. But he was drawing attention to the school, doing fundraisers, like doing like autograph signings, if you make a donation to the school, you know, really trying to make the school visible and help with their fundraising. And his, his then fiance at the time they got married later in 2018, Taylor would go with him, she's an elementary school teacher. So this whole the the special needs part and also the working with schools part is just part of their family. It's just how they work. He that year was the A's nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award, which you know that's sort of like this this award but supercharged for the whole league. Um, He also got involved in all the A's community events. You know when the team does a we're going to give equipment to a hospital or we're going to do this kind of thing. He was always there for those types of things as well. But this was his special. Thing. So this past year, when the season was delayed, that's when they were expecting their first child. And so he was doing things like he got involved with the nesting, right? He's like (laughs) building the nursery furniture, painting the walls, doing all of those things and trying to get ready. Taylor was due to deliver at the end of the summer. He was actually, she labor started early and he was in Texas when it happened, when he got the call. And you know, he went home immediately. And that was a really good thing because like two days later, that's when the A's end up getting quarantined in Houston. Oh, wow. So had that call so come in it. two days later, he would have been stuck and he would have missed the Damn. birth of his child. Oof. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's one of those brainy ball players that people who play and work with him say he's going to be a manager one day because he thinks big picture. And the fact that he can play every position, right. That, mm-hmm. you know, he, he would be a good manager one day, but the pun part comes in when he was, Back in the minors, his batting practice coach called his group Pindergarten. (laughs) Because at 21, he was the oldest. And there were like a bunch of 18 and 19-year-old kids in this. And so they called it Pindergarten. So since then, all of his batting practice groups have been called Pindergarten. And I love that. That's cute. So there we go. So I, I love this guy. I love this guy. I'm hoping that he'll end up every day one day. But if not, he's cool with it. And he will play wherever he's needed.
1: Utility is important. It's definitely important. I've got this outfield going, uh, because also Trent Grisham, who I'm picking from the Padres, is right field, 24 years old. And I picked him, well, first, because I I did another, like, shout out to our friends at Hell's Bells from the Padres fandom. And he was recommended as well as a couple others. But this fit, you know, I got the names and then I looked for the signs. And one thing is that he came from Milwaukee on the deal for Luis Urias, who is my Milwaukee boyfriend. So I thought, all right, let's keep it all in the family there. He signed... In 2015, out of high school. And this is another, like, early injury bouncing backstory. There are a lot of parallels between my two boyfriends this week. First inning of the second game that he played, he ran headfirst
0: into a wall. jeez. And was
1: out for a while. And that's just terrifying. But apparently – He It wasn't a serious injury. He came out of it okay. But 2016, he was also super limited in play because he injured both of his handstrings, missed two months for it. And so then he kind of needed a reboot. You know, you get started. You have these two, like, injury-plagued years. And so in 2017, he changed his name. His name was Trent Clark, but he was raised by his mom. And he he talks about how important, and of course, this is another like NCIB baseball boyfriend thing. If the mom is a big deal, this is a guy for us. He talked about how she took him to every tournament. When he was moving across country, she drove his truck for him. He calls his mom the greatest person on earth. And so he changed his name to take his mom's last name. So he went from Trent, Trent Clark to Trent Grisham that year. And that's when he started coming up to the majors. He had a few cups of coffee for a few years. Uh, 2017 was up for just three games, 18-8 games, 19-7 games. And what I remember him from for 2019, he came in when Christian Jelic was injured when they were going to the playoffs, that wild card game. He was the guy, and this is like, I still love you, Trent, and this was a special moment for me. Mm -hmm. He was the guy whose error allowed the Nats to take the lead in the wildcard game in the eighth inning when Juan Soto hit that crazy hit and ended up – he ended up eventually getting tagged out, I think, but it scored the go-ahead run. Possibly the
0: greatest play we've ever witnessed in person.
1: Oh, my – absolutely. No doubt. That was the funnest fucking game. But, you know, to give Trent credit – I really credit that loss. You know, if anybody fucked up, it was Josh Hader, which I'm fine with. Playing fine with and, that. Um, Josh know. Hader. So you know, Trent definitely has come into into realization that you got to go back out there. That was one play. It wasn't totally his fault, but it's just a little bit a little bit more of that connection. I don't totally understand his batting average because. MLB, I think MLB is fucked up. Both baseball reference and fan graphs have them as 251 uh, f- light, oh, for 2020. And MLB has them as 361 for 2020. That's a huge difference. So I don't know. Is the MLB
0: one just the the season and the other ones maybe cumulative? No, you say they're 20. No,
1: they were both listed as 20. And I have both of them like in our notes. So you can double check me. Maybe I'd had too much beer by that point.
0: So that was breakfast? Was that breakfast?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) My breakfast beer.
0: You're right. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers.
1: The other thing is my theme for today, which is white guys bat flipping. And he had a great bat flip moment and it's the Padres Dodgers rivalry. Right. And he pimped this home run tying home run off of Kershaw in a mid September game. But it's, it's fascinating. So this, this bat flip was, you know, just celebrated in Padres land, but Tingler You know, the guy who made Tatis Jr. apologize for breaking a different unwritten rule. I I will admit it's a different rule, but another one said, and this is a quotation from him, it was a big moment in the game. It was a huge hit. It got us fired up. We have fun. We play the game right. We respect the game, but we're going to have fun and we're going to pull for one another. So give that to Tatis as well is what I'm saying.
0: Was the Tatis one before that? It was, right? It was That was in August. This was September. I'm wondering uh, if he learned mm-hmm. from that. I wonder if he took a right. lot of crap for not right. defending Tatis. And maybe this is him learning. I hope so. Because the alternative makes me mad. So, <laughs> let's
1: go with that one. Let's go with that one. And he did. And mm-hmm. and uh, Grisham did get shit from this from Dave Roberts, who put it, pulled out the whole unwritten yeah. rule bullshit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, he was not one of the Slam Diego crowd, but in that time when those slams were happening – oh, nice shirts, Patty. Okay, we got to get a picture of that. Dur- during that time, he did have a three-home run game. So he did get three run. You know, a slam would have been crediting somebody to four, but he got three all by himself. So – yeah, I think that's pretty good. Oh, last of all, 2020 Gold Glove winner.
0: Very so, nice. Yeah,
1: young guy. I think there's a lot of future for him with San- Slam Diego. And I'm excited for the Padres.
0: So excited. So I briefly thought about Trent Grisham because of his use of American Sign Language. So for a while oh. this past year, but it's weird because he doesn't actually know sign language. So I said, no, never mind. It's not good enough. When he would hit a homer and run the bases, he would flash ASL. For the number of home runs that was for him. Sweet. Because with ASL, you can count to a much higher number using just one hand than you can wow. with you know, just counting on your fingers like, like you know, mm-hmm. like you and I do. Um, so, yeah. So he, he was credited with using ASL to, um, you know, celebrate his home runs. But I guess that also falls under the the playing baseball the right way because it wasn't very showy. <laughs> hey, so my utility guy. Um, oh, is is a great guy. He's a great guy, and he is one of the Slam Diego guys. So when Potty Moth complimented my shirt, I am in fact wearing my Slam Diego shirt. He's part of that group with an asterisk. We'll talk. Remind me to tell you why that there's an asterisk asterisk when we get there. I'll but try. I'm gonna start with, hey, Jake Cronenworth is, you know, I'm putting him as utility, although you know he's looking like he might be second base this year. He's 27. He's from Saint Clair, um, Michigan. Okay, here we go again. His mom died of a brain tumor when he was four. Oh, wow. And he was raised by his dad and his grandparents who lived either across the street or the next street, depending on which story you read. But his grandma apparently was absolutely backup mom. His best friends, apparently St. Clair is this tiny little town that breeds professional players, professional mm-hmm. sports people. One of his best friends now plays hockey for the Canucks. Another one of his friends is a bullpen coach for the Tigers now. Wow! So this, this group grew up and apparently... Grandma was one of the people who would drive all of these kids around, to <laughs> their games, to their practices, to their travel things. His dad, you know, single dad, raising two boys, also was, traveled for work a lot. So having that family backup really helps. So his grandparents have been, were, you know, extremely integral to raising him. And apparently his grandma made cookies for like every team he was ever on and actually threw out a first pitch at one of his minor league games at age 91. I loved hers. I love her so much. I love her so much.
1: That I, oh, that's amazing. So yeah. cool.
0: So that's, that's pretty, pretty great. So he started, Ice skating, I mean, you know, this is almost Canada. This is like the part of Michigan that's almost Canada. So he started ice skating at age three. Grew up playing ice hockey. His dad, his grandfather, and then his older brother all played college hockey. I think his his grandfather was drafted. Mm, don't remember if it was the Red Wings or not because the Red Wings was their was their local team basically, um, but then went off to World War Two. Oh. So he never played professionally but but so playing in college was like the family tradition and he was kind of headed that way his 8th grade hockey team won states they have states for 8th graders but okay <laughs> in high school he decided to move just to baseball and and you no know, he still plays hockey on the side but Baseball was going to be his focus because you just two of those things at one time is just too hard. It's just too hard because of all the travel, all the everything on the expense. But he moved to baseball and then his high school won states in either the junior year or senior year, depending on which article, whether it was the across the street grandparents or the the next street over grandparents. So uh, you know, facts are fuzzy. I'm just saying facts mm-hmm. are fuzzy. He, yeah. did get, he did get a scholarship to the University of Michigan, which almost almost turns him off on my list as an Ohio girl. But there are <laughs> so many redeeming qualities. I'm letting it go. So he was a super utility player at Michigan and also their closer. Yeah, he pitched. He's a two-way guy, right? So he pitched and wow. he, played, he played everywhere. So in the, in the 2015 Big Ten tournament, he was the most valuable player of the tournament He got four saves in four games. His batting average was 389, and he had three runs batted in over the tournament. That's a heck of a two-way player, right? He ended his college career second in career saves ever at the University of Michigan. Wow, that's crazy. So in high school, at University of Michigan and in the minor leagues, he has played every position but catcher. Usually we say but pitcher and catcher. It's just but catcher. It's just but catcher for him. they got to let him
1: catch. they got to let him do because that.
0: Because he can pitch. He can pitch. So he joked for years. He had all of his gloves because some of you may not know, but there are different styles of gloves depending on what position you play. So he had a whole array of them. And he said, I get to the you know, ballpark and I just lay them all out and see what happens. <laughs> but he was always ready. He's always ready. So as a two-way player, he thought he was going to be drafted as a pitcher. He really thought for sure, if if he gets drafted, it's going to be as a pitcher. But the Rays drafted him as a second baseman. And mm. he said, is this a joke? Do they make a mistake? But that's where they put him. Although he did pitch a little bit in AAA. But when he came, um, he came, okay. So he came from the Rays to San Diego in the trade for Hunter Renfro. So oh, hey, that's when T- Tommy Pham came to the Padres. And that was the story, the Tommy Pham trade and that other guy. These Jay- are like all your boyfriends. Though. They are all my boyfriends. So, but, but Jake Cronenworth was that other guy. And that other guy is going to be the one with staying power. Who's going to be a Padre and make a difference on the Padre mm-hmm. on the, on the Padres team. Right. So he was like everybody, all the fans thought he was sort of an afterthought, like the extra guy, but AJ probably said, no, no, we've been watching him for a year. Hmm. We, you know, we wanted him. This was not a, Oh yeah. Send us somebody else too just to, you know, beef it up. No, no, they really wanted him. So, OK, so during the shutdown last year, the Padres had choices of staying at going home, staying at the spring training facility or going to San Diego and working out at Petco Park and, you know, small, monitored, careful groups. So he went to San Diego. He worked out almost every day. He worked out at every single infield position because he wanted to be ready for anything. It's like, I want to be valuable. I want to be ready for anything. So he ended up debuting in July at the beginning of the season for Eric Hosmer at first base when when Hosmer went Mm -hmm. out with an injury. And he hadn't played first base since college. But, again, he had practiced at every single position. And his defense apparently was extremely sexy at first base. In fact, A.J. Pollock of the Dodgers – after like hitting a double to like win a game against the Padres said, I was just trying not to hit it to that Cronenworth guy. Huh? And so that Cronenworth guy is now kind of how, how he's known because he was <laughs> the other guy in the trade, right? People didn't know anything about him, but all of a sudden he, he was robbing home runs. He was making diving stops. He was like the Mr. Sexy defense guy. He also doubled He had an RBI double his very first at bat. And then welcome to slam Diego. Yep. He hit the fifth, Grand Slam in that series of five Grand Slams, but his was in the sixth game. There were four in a row and then a game where there were no, there were none, and then his in the sixth game. So Slam Diego is the only team to have five Grand Slams in six games. But is he on the t-shirt? I don't think he's on the t-shirt. So mine just says Slam Diego. So my t-shirt is inclusive of Jake Cronenworth, but the ones that pictured the guys, just the first four. I'm sorry about that. But he was the National League Rookie of the Month And then that made him a contender for Rookie of the Year, and he actually tied for second place in Rookie of the Year voting, mainly because he had a spectacular August and then slumped in September. He then picked it up again in the playoffs, but that slump was enough to knock him down on the list for sure. But he is absolutely made for social media. His name is for sure, right? His background are the cronies. Of course. right? That's great. If if you hit it into where he's doing defense, you hit it into the crone zone. (laughs) When he's hitting well, which is apparently in August, he's rake Cronenworth, right? And then his college roommate, whenever Cronenworth is going to start, which is now all the time, but it wasn't for a while, he would drive to this particular hot dog stand where he can get coney dogs. And he would get... Conies for crony because when they <laughs> when they were playing together they would go out for for cronies to, for for for, 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 for crony <laughs> dogs together right and so he still did and so there were their conies for crony so I love all of that I love everything about yeah. about uh, about Worth and especially that he still plays hockey in the offseason. and that's near and dear to my heart so next time we're on our very last week of wow. Eve, boyfriends we're at the Dodgers and the Rays. I don't know what's gonna happen. Stay tuned. The last week. Yes. Yikes. That
1: means opening day is coming soon. Yes, it does. Yes. And I does. didn't even put the countdown on their shit, but it is coming. We have some news related to women in baseball. And I want to just give a huge shout out and awesome high five to Beth Greenwood who has become the second woman, actually, but the first U.S.-born woman to play an NCAA Division three baseball team. Yes, baseball team. That means she's the only woman on it with a bunch of guys. And that's at the University of Rochester, so Ooh. down the street from your kid, right? Yeah, baby. The first woman to do this was Canadian board, Marika Lizchik. And they're both catchers. And I want to just say, check out our Facebook feed for the details, because there's just a lot of great stuff, including how she persevered, because she did not make the team as a freshman. And she worked her ass off and just went back and trained and then made it for this year.
0: So power to her. Also, also more about Beth Greenwood. She's a product of DC Girls Baseball, also near and dear to our heart. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is it
1: DC? I Uh thought it was Boston. Hmm. You see
0: girls baseball at least at least part of the time.
1: Wow. All right. Far out. I know she's a baseball for all person. So go out there and support baseball for all because change is happening. All right. I'm going to do a quick uh, run through of some international news that I just thought was kind of fun for this week. Fernando Tatis Senior was recently chosen to manage the Dominican team. That is heading to an Olympic qualifier. Ooh, so dude. right now, yeah. So this is the 2020 Olympics that's happening in 2021 in Tokyo, apparently. And baseball is coming back for the first time in like 13 years. And maybe Tati Senior will be managing a team. We'll see how they do in the qualifier. But I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up on
0: that later. I'm guessing the DR is gonna do pretty well in that qualifier.
1: I would think so, but they've got some, you know, there's some stiff competition there. Puerto Rico, the United States, for example. And I know there's only- And Puerto Rico. (laughs) Right. And Puerto Rico. I know there's that thing going on. Speaking of (laughs) colonies. Totally. And actually, you know, speaking in Puerto Rico, that is a good segue because the Liga de Baseball Femenino de Puerto Rico.
0: Hey, there's a new letter in there.
1: That is the women's. Baseball League of Puerto Rico is pretty much doubling in size this year. Everybody should go and follow Edwin Hernandez. He's at mop underscore nose. That's M-O-P underscore nose on Twitter. And he is the source for Puerto Rican baseball. But. They're doubling in size. There were six teams last year and looks like they're going up to 12 teams. They were totally actually not last year in 2019 because they were totally canceled for 2020. So they should be starting in August or September this year. But I'm thinking, you know, so Puerto Rico, yes, part of the United States, then that colony kind of thing. But what other part of the United States has a league with 12 women's teams? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I know we ha- we have like this this look one, but I know that there's not twelve teams there. Yeah. So power to the folks in Puerto Rico. There's also women's teams in Europe. You know, you'd think that we would get get with the program around here. Groups were actually picked this week for the European Baseball Championship for men in September. And this is just a little bit of baseball growing everywhere, because apparently this championship had 12 last year. They're going up to 16 teams. There's three in each of four groups that have already been chosen. And then there's one left out for a qualifier. I'm still trying to figure out how Israel got to be part of Europe. But
0: gerrymandering.
1: I Yes, totally. <laughs> that
0: is exactly
1: what it is. That is totally perfect. But while that is happening, there's also a women's competition and this is the second and I do remember when this is this happened 2 years ago and France won. I mean there are only 3 cu- countries with women's teams competing, but hey, there are 3 com- countries in Europe with women's teams competing. And they're going to be going to, the winner of that competition is going to be going to the 2020 Women's Baseball World Cup. So it's between France, Netherlands, and the Czech Republic. It's growing. Over to Asia, just super quick. I want to say the KBO, you know, ESPN dropped like a little bit of a hot potato there. It was really fun last year while we were in um, and. MLB less land and then they kept it going but they are not going back there unfortunately.
0: They have other things to do. They have other things to do. Today. Yeah,
1: they did I mean their their coverage was shitty to begin with but at least like I would love to know if there's going to be a way to watch the KBO because I would love to watch them. So I'm going to keep following K- Daniel Kim on Twitter to find out if there will be a way he does have a YouTube inside KBO channel. So I would say to follow that as well. But by the way, your um, SK Wyverns, which I know I pronounced wrong on like several podcasts because you told me in the very beginning that it was Wyverns. Yeah, but I I was
0: wrong because I I thought it was Wyverns because I'd only read the word. I'd read Mm -hmm. many books with the word Wyverns in it because I'm that kind of a nerd. But then when we actually talked to humans who know about it, they said, no, they're the Wyverns.
1: Huh, because I saw Wyverns recently, or I heard Wyverns, uh, well, all right, well whatever, you know what, we're not going to have to argue anymore, because that is not their name anymore. They <laughs> are now the SSG Landers, which wow, is much less cool, way, way less cool. They got sold. And just the, my last pitch, I don't know what day it is. What day is it today? It's March something. 7th. March, okay. You have until March 12th to get the early bird discount on CPBL TV. And I seriously recommend that you do so because you get so much cool shit on there. It's like old games, new games, live games. And so go for it. We have one week until opening day, which is the 13th. So you have until the 12th to get the early bird discount. And you know what? We know people who are going to be doing an occasional English broadcast. If you are interested, DM us because I'm not sure how much space there is still left on those broadcasts, but they're really fun.
0: Very cool, very cool. And early bird also um, applies to the time of day when you would watch these games. This is breakfast baseball, breakfast baseball, which I love.
1: I love getting up and just turning on baseball. It's so much fun.
0: There are a few ways in which Potty Mouth and I are different humans, and that is (laughs) one of (laughs) them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my friends. This week, while we are trying to figure out who our boyfriends are going to be for the Dodgers and the Rays, we hope you are checking out some back issues, back episodes of No Crying in Baseball. If you are new to the podcast, please tell your friends if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. We hope you find us on social media because we're a lot of fun there.
1: Check us out on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and
0: Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. Yes, indeed. And until then, hey, I hope to be getting a vaccine tomorrow. Potty Mouth's superpowers should kick in in two weeks because she just got her second vaccine. So we're hoping against hope that in a few weeks we might be in the same room when we record these podcasts. Oh, that's so exciting. So please, dear listeners, get your vaccine as soon as you are able. Keep wearing your masks, wash your hands, keep your distance, fight the man. And until next time, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth.
1: Has no fucking doors